so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. You're listening to the ERLC podcast. So I said everything I need to say. I thought I was forgetting. Okay. I think so. I think you're fine. Um, and you could say, and I'm from, ha- just say, and I'm from Hattieburg, ha- Hattieburg. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Say that, say that. Okay. Okay. So just, that's all you need to say. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the ERLC podcast, where each week we'll be talking about our work at the ERLC and focusing on what Christians should know about the things going on in the world. I'm Lindsay Nicolay, and with me this week is actually not Brent Leatherwood. He is away on a much-needed vacation. I have six guests with me this week. That's because the format of our episode is not going to be normal. Instead, we're going to focus on all things internship. So we have interns every summer and oftentimes throughout the year, but the summer is our big program where we have more college students normally come to our offices in DC and in Nashville. Of course, the last few years, it's been virtual, but this year they're back in the offices and they have just been a vital part of our work at the ERLC. So we want you to get to know them. We want you to hear about the internship program and what they've learned. And we just want to celebrate uh, how they've served us at the ERLC and how they've served you, our fellow Southern Baptists, this summer. Um, So we're going to talk to three of them in D.C., three of them in Nashville, and we hope that you enjoy this format of the episode. So to start things off, I want to pivot to y'all, D.C. interns. If you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves, just telling a little bit about uh, where you're from and what you're studying, where you're going to school. Hi, I'm Daniel Hostetter. I'm a rising junior at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, studying government, politics, and policy. And I'm from a small town called Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and my name is Cooper Scholl. I am a rising senior at Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama, and I live uh, right outside Chattanooga, Tennessee and Ringgold, Georgia. I'm Rebecca Freed. I'm a rising senior at Notre Dame. I'm majoring in theology and philosophy, and I grew up here in the D.C. area. So from all over, welcome. We are so glad to have y'all this summer in the D.C. office. You've basically been helping us keep things going there in D.C., doing all the things. So we were so glad to have you this summer. So let's pivot, pretend like we're on a plane flying from D.C. to Nashville. Nashville interns, how about y'all introduce yourselves to us? Hey, my name's Caden Christian. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I just graduated from Auburn with a degree in finance, roll tide. I'm currently pursuing my MDiv from New Orleans online while I serve on staff with my college ministry at First Baptist Church of Opelika. My name is Eli Pattett, and I am a junior at the University of Memphis, and I'm a pre-law student uh, focusing in international relations, uh, and I'm also born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. 
Hey, I'm Lizzie Davis. I'm from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I will be a junior this year at William Carey University, and I'm a double major in Christian Studies and Speech Communication. So you can already tell the biggest difference between D.C. and Nashville are the accents, number one. (laughs) Very thick Southern (laughs) accents over here in Nashville. And also, I'm sorry, Caden, that you may not desecrate this podcast by saying Roll Tide. It's not allowed. I'll try my best. Take that back. (laughs) Well, thank you all for introducing yourselves. And now I want to ask you all a few questions. I'm going to pivot back to D.C. and I want to start with you all. So, Rebecca, you get to go first. If you wouldn't mind telling us why this internship at the ERLC, why did you choose it out of all of your other options, and why do you think other students should consider it in the future? So I was first drawn to an internship with the Ethics of Religious Liberty Commission because I'm pretty interested in religious liberty, so I wanted to find an internship where I could learn more about that. And obviously, the ERLC has been a great opportunity to do just that. Another thing that really drew me to the internship was the fact that the ERLC's advocacy is rooted in Christianity. So, like, my faith is important to me, and that's also why I'm interested in religious liberty and also other political issues, too. Um, And so it's been really special to work at an organization that also roots their advocacy in faith. And then finally, also just, like, the actual internship program itself has so many great opportunities to learn all the time, go to different events and lectures, Bible studies, ethics sessions, book discussions, learning about all sorts of different policies. So I think it's a pretty unique program. And I would strongly suggest that other interns apply for this program in the future. In my experience, the internship surpassed any expectations that I had coming in. Um, Not only have I been able to learn about religious liberty and do some projects on it, but also learning about so many other important policy issues. And it's really shape the way I think about those issues and help me to understand more of why I believe what I believe and also how to engage in challenging issues in a way that honors Christ and is loving to the people around me. The people here really care um, about the interns and they give you really amazing opportunities to learn, get better at research and writing and thinking through issues. And so it's a really great opportunity. And I would strongly suggest that other students who are interested in well, at least for the DC internship, interested in policy and how Christianity impacts that, I would strongly suggest they apply. And you can confirm, Rebecca, that we did not pay you to say all of those nice things, right? Maybe maybe in chocolate croissants. But. <laughs> no, there was no payment. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I mean, it helps. And it helps when you're interested in religious liberty, that religious liberty is in the actual title of the organization, right? <laughs> Yeah, it does help. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for that. Okay, Daniel, I want to ask you this next question. What issue were your eyes open to this summer, and why do you think it matters for Christians? It has been quite the historic summer to be in Washington, D.C. I'm sure a lot of interns can say that, as tons of crazy things happen here in D.C., but this summer especially has been just truly historic. The decision in Dobbs v. Jackson dropped in Supreme Court a couple weeks ago, and it's been a crazy time to be here. On the day of the decision, we were sitting in our office, refreshing the Supreme Court page, just waiting for the opinion to drop. And we ended up spending the rest of the day on a Zoom call, writing articles, putting pieces out, putting tweets out on the Dobbs decision, because it was such a historic moment for the pro-life movement and really just a pivotal turning point for Christian engagement in politics in general. And so a lot of the conversation in our office here has been like, okay, this is awesome. Like, we love this decision. We're so grateful that people are now able to choose life in more states. But The conversation has kind of pivoted for us and the pro-life movement at large to, okay, what's next? Like, now that states can can legislate different things on abortion, like, what does it look like for the pro-life movement and specifically the ERLC to step up and to love vulnerable women and their pre-born children super well? 
Um, so I've been able, uh, just really blessed to be able to work on a lot of pro-family policy work here at the ERLC this summer. This is kind of a new frontier that we're considering wading into in some capacity. Um, so it's been really awesome to just, I mean, if you consider the current statistics that 73% of women face financial burdens that might press them towards abortion, family policy is really a great way to be able to prove that life is a, such a better option. So I've been able to work on a couple policies that eliminate tax code discrimination against traditional families, reduce the owner's tax burden on families and children, um, and also supporting different strategic aid programs that are targeted towards more low-income families that stimulate economic stability, responsibility, independence, uh, which sparks really sustainable and like communal financial growth that lift up entire communities. So we really seek to live out a pro-life ethic, not just in like abortion policy, but also in the public square when it comes to economic and tax policy by advocating for financial assistance and family assistance programs that really eliminate any perceived need for the horror of abortion. Y'all really did get to be involved at the ERLC and with the internship program during a historic time. And I'm so glad that we had y'all to help serve us and serve churches, especially when Dobbs came down. So we're still celebrating that victory. And like you said, we're looking forward to all the work that there is left to do. And then finally, Cooper. You know, the joke here has been, Cooper, nobody ever gets your name right and calls other people Cooper. But this is the, I'm paging the real Cooper. Would the real Cooper please stand up for this next question? (laughs) So as you go back home and to school, how can pastors and ministry leaders help equip you to speak truth and show grace in such a polarized culture? Well, Lindsay, I'm glad that you at least remembered me. Uh, Some of my fellow interns have struggled with that, but that's okay. I, I love them just the same. Um, But that is a really great question that you bring up, and I think it's something um, that's very important for us to consider and something that I've really considered, especially um, getting to spend some time up in D.C. But number one, I think, you know, faith leaders need to take some time off of social media. I think uh, it's been a a platform that has unfortunately been an area where we're stirring the pot versus shedding the light. Um, I think we have a real opportunity to... um, you know, be witnesses to people in our interactions. And uh, I think that's something that we all can work on. But I I think some of those faith leaders and and pastors who I most look up to are those who can engage with people who they disagree with and do it in a gracious and humble way. Um, You know, we saw Jesus interacting with people that lived completely different lifestyles than he did, uh, but he did it gracefully and with love. And I think that's what we're called to do. And um, I think that's what pastors and faith leaders can do is by setting that examples for their congregations um, and Christians in general, just to live by that. And remember, the way that we live is going to open conversations for um, people who are not Christians. They're going to see that we live different, and it's going to open those gospel conversations. And at the end of the day, you know, that's what we're called to do, and that's the most important thing that we can do. That's a good word and a good reminder for us, Cooper and I think, you know, we're not going to be afraid to speak the truth, but how we speak it is what's going to set us apart as believers. And then for all of y'all, you don't all have to answer, but is there something behind the scenes at the ERLC that you think others listening to this podcast would be interested to know? So try not to bore them. Is there anything, anything just stands out that you think, oh, that's interesting? I think for me, um, whenever we got to go to the Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim, that was a way for us to kind of get to know the team face to face. And it was kind of funny. Uh, the interns uh, ended up at Disneyland talking about theology at 11 p.m. And it just kind of permeates every area of your life, even uh, when you're not necessarily in the, the capacity that you're serving in. But it's just cool to see how much the team cares about these issues um, inside the office and also outside the office. 
I think two things for me. Uh, first, one of the things that I was surprised by and also really appreciated is that our DC team basically does like an internal like memo or brief on any new policy area that we're wading into, which I really appreciate because in that process, we're wading through both scriptural backing, we're, we're wading through support from SBC resolutions to kind of fulfill the, the will of the messengers that have given us our mission. Um, and then we're also just seeing how those principles practically apply in the field of policy. Um, so I think that's really important for the policy work that we're doing. So then we're coming at it truly from a biblical ethic. We're having scripture to back the, the work that we're doing. Um, I think it's it's just a good reminder for me that um, we are accountable to the Lord for everything that we, that we advocate. So we shouldn't just, I guess, advocate for things that we feel like are right, but really are rooted in scripture and in the word of God. I think the second thing for me is DC runs on coffee. Like if you haven't had two cups of coffee, at least by 10 a.m., you're just behind and you're not with it. So I think I've become much more of a coffee addict this That's summer. That's amazing. So. We also have a chocolate stash that is quickly dwindling. Yes, we have that in Nashville too, or at least we used to. That's even interesting for me to hear as someone that works at the ERLC, but I'm not in the DC office. For instance, the memo that y'all circulate and the backing, the scriptural backing and the SBC resolutions for how you work through policies that you're advocating on, et cetera. So that even shines a window into that for me, who's not in the DC office on an everyday basis. Well, thank y'all so much for shedding some light on the DC internship and what it's been like for y'all. You've convinced me, maybe I should just go back to being an intern and go there in the DC office under Hannah, who's doing such a great job. Nashville interns, it is y'all's turn. And the great thing about this is that you're not allowed to borrow from what DC has said. So don't cheat off of them. I'm going to start with you, Eli. And would you tell me what issue were your eyes open to this summer and why do you think it matters for Christians? Yeah, I think it's so hard to pick one out of all of the different things that we've dealt with this summer and uh, really worked on this summer. But, you know, really, if I had to pick just one thing, it would honestly just be that I've really grown a passion for studying the Christian ethic and studying worldview. One thing that's awesome that we do is we have uh, weekly ethics sessions where we discuss a controversial ethical issue within the Christian worldview, uh, professional development, Bible study, book study. And they're so just, I think, impactful to the internship program because it's more than just going to a place and working, but it's legitimately building our minds and teaching us how to think and, and how to think productively. So I think that the one thing that I've really grown a passion for would have to be Christian ethics and understanding uh, why do we think the way that we do? Uh, why do we believe what we believe? And how do we interpret the world that we live in and interact with through a Christian worldview? And then the reason why I think it's beneficial for other Christians to know would probably be exactly that because it affects everything about our day-to-day life. Um, I mean, our actions are ultimately just a representation of what we believe. You know, it's uh, acting out what we believe to be true. And so to give a why to those actions and a why to those beliefs is, I think, the most beneficial thing of the Christian mindset. And and so I think that um, that's definitely something that I've grown a passion for and really just get so excited about studying. And so it, it's been amazing, you know, learning from uh, Alex Ward, Jason Thacker, um, all those other guys who uh, also have that same passion to equip Christians on um, worldview, ethics, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's been amazing. And, and that's definitely one thing that's really built within me from this summer. Eli, I'm offended my name was not in there. And Lindsay those, Nicolay, uh, so you can uh, put you that before much. you saying that. So. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Wait a minute. Well, it, it just excites me all the more, so. Yes. 
So Lizzie, this next question is for you. Why this internship? Why did you choose it out of all the options? And why do you think other students should consider it? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, and this might just be me personally, but from my introduction to the ERLC, I've just loved the fact that they are an entity that speaks, you know, they like to say that they speak to Southern Baptists and for Southern Baptists. And I think it's been clear in my experience that the public square obviously needs missionaries, and I love that they're helping send those. But also, we need help interpreting what's going on in our world. I mean, I, as a young person, even I'm in school, I'm working to be educated, but I need help interpreting, you know, how, what is a biblical framework for responding to these things that are happening. And so I just have loved the work that they've done to help in- interpret those things and and how do I respond? Um, again, I, I just need help <laughs> knowing what that is. And so that was a little bit intimidating coming in, kind of starting to realize, oh man, like I need to be educated on these things more than anyone. I don't know how I'm supposed to help <laughs> help them teach others, but that's something that I knew I wanted to learn about. And so that really for me is why I chose the RLC. Um, love the work that they're doing. And again, the fact that they're kind of working on both ends and I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with a staff member. We were talking about how when people ask, because even for me back home, I've had people ask, well, what is, who are they? What are you, what are you doing for them this summer? And a lot of times the answers can seem really heady. And she said, she was like, you know, I feel like we just, we care about the things that God cares about. And we really do. It's just been cool to see the hearts of the different staff members truly, kind of like Cooper was saying, it it permeates <laughs> every area. You know, it's not just your professional life, like the Lord is you know, making an investment, sanctifying us, transforming our hearts. And so, again, as he's been doing that for me in my life, I think this was just a clear option of like, man, professionally, I can work on these things that the Lord is causing me to care about personally. And so that's kind of why I chose this. I would say that for anyone who feels like the Lord, you know, is stirring in their heart a care for these things that are happening in the world, this is a great place to, again, learn how do we respond to those and then also help advocate to the public you know, this is what we care about and what we believe. And you know, Lizzie, we're all learning and being equipped alongside you. So we are so glad that you chose this internship. And that's a good way to put it because we're just seeking to care about what God cares about, what scripture is clear that we should care about, and we're all learning together. And then Caden, as you go back home and to school, preparing to pack up and go back, how can pastors and ministry leaders help equip you to speak truth and show grace in such a polarized culture? Yeah, so I think there's two components to this. And one is just like in our churches having open conversations about difficult issues. Because this summer, we've talked about anything from the death penalty to gender to abortion and they're difficult conversations to have, but but they're important. And so I think that our pastors and ministry leaders need to like continue to have those conversations openly and prepare their people to be able to have those conversations in the public square. And the second thing in that is just encouraging, especially in college ministry, like encouraging students to kind of expand uh, your bubble, you know. Be friends with people that you don't necessarily agree with. Be friends with people that aren't like you. Be friends with non-believers because that's the best way to grow. But most importantly, when we have conversations in the public square, it's not to prove people wrong. It's not to prove people that we're right and they should listen to us. Ultimately, I think that these conversations are meant to share the gospel with people and to glorify Christ. And so we can't glorify Christ 
to non-believers when we don't even have conversations with non-believers. And so I'll just say first thing, you know, in our churches, let's have open conversations, but then also let's go out and let's make friends with people that aren't exactly like us. And I'll just have to say, pastors and ministry leaders listening to this, you should be encouraged because these are the young men and women who are going back to your churches, who are serving in your communities, who are proclaiming the gospel, who are loving people for all the bad talk that this generation gets. The Lord is raising up men and women to serve Him, to love Him, and to love their neighbors as themselves. So I would say, pastors and ministry leaders, be encouraged. And the specific ones who are getting these interns coming back to their churches, utilize them and thank them for faithfully standing for the Lord in the midst of this culture. And then finally, guys, like I asked all of DC, is there anything behind the scenes at the ERLC that you think others would be interested to know? Yeah, one thing that I'll specifically point out is that I think is so important that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to see like we have. It's just the humility and intentionality of every single person on the staff. I mean, you go into a workplace like this or policy advocacy organization, whatever you call it, and you expect it, you know, to be all about work, all about this, all about that. But these people genuinely care. Um, And I think that you don't get that at a lot of places and they genuinely um, will serve in any capacity. You know, they just don't want to be the ones writing. They don't just want to be the ones, you know, on the podcast, but they'll do anything, you know. Um, One specific thing, my first uh, encounter, I guess, well, first time seeing anything about Brent Leatherwood, the active president, was before SBC, before we went, the day before, someone sent on Slack a picture of him uh, on his hands and knees rolling t-shirts for the booth. And that is the culture here of every single person on staff is anybody, nobody cares about a title, but anybody's willing to do anything. And so I think that for anyone listening, it's important to know about these people, that they care. Um, They're not here for any type of status, that they genuinely want to serve, and they genuinely want to serve our churches. And so that's one thing that I think that everybody should know about this group of people, that they're amazing, humble, intentional, and incredibly passionate about what God cares about. I would also say that it's incredible just how much the ERLC values the local church. And like I'll say, whenever Dobbs came out, I remember we were all on a uh, a Zoom call with the staff, and after everybody kind of read through the opinion, uh, one of the first tasks was, okay, how do we communicate this to local pastors? Um, And so I've been very, very encouraged by just how much the ERLC really does serve uh, local churches, and they understand that the work is happening within the church, and so the mission here really is what can we do to help equip churches? And that's something that I was just blown away by. And I'm really excited that I got to witness that this summer, but also that I get to kind of see how well they continue to work uh, in the future. Yeah, I think one thing for me coming in, I was I was nervous just as, I guess, a female in the workplace. I didn't know obviously it's pretty clear. I've had two other guy interns on my <laughs> on my right and left and I was just a little facing a lot of imposter syndrome. I talked about that a little bit earlier, but it was just so personally encouraging for me to see the women on staff, um, how influential they are and they are allowed to be, but also how much they do respect their male coworkers and vice versa, how much respect they're given. It was just really encouraging to see that culture of true 
like brotherly, sisterly love in Christ on this staff. And there's just a mutual respect there that was super encouraging to see. I think for me, even going into the future going, man, I hope I get to work um, somewhere like this where I'm respected, but not, (laughs) I don't know, overly lifted up. There's a humility kind of like Eli was talking about that's just really encouraging to see. And yeah, that was inspiring. I learned a lot from just watching those interactions. Well, guys and girls, I have been so encouraged by y'all's answers. It truly has been a privilege for us to be able to work with y'all this summer. And we want you to know that you will always have a home at the ERLC in DC or Nashville. So please, as you go back to your communities, to your schools, to your churches, to your families, do not be strangers. And uh, for those listening to the podcast, we do hope that you will continue to see their names and work from them as they serve us through writing or whatever else the Lord directs them to do here at the ERLC. And now it's time for the lunchroom, where we tell you what we're talking about with each other. Today is an intern version of the lunchroom. So DC, why don't y'all tell us real quick, maybe a favorite spot or a thing to do in DC since you've been there this summer that somebody traveling can add to their bucket list? I would say that my favorite spot this summer has been just going on walks around the Capitol and I haven't got all the way to the monument, but gotten close, just walking around. Sounds boring, but when you're in DC and you're right near everything, it's a lot of fun. So that's been a highlight of the summer. Not going to lie, I always was never really a fan of art. Like I I always thought that like art was like for rich old people who didn't have anything else on their hands, but to like throw some paint (laughs) on some canvas and call it modern art. Don't be offended, um, artists, if anybody listens to this. (laughs) We love you. But um, one of my favorite places this summer has actually been the National Gallery of Art. There's just some incredible paintings in there. I've loved like British and like Flemish landscapes from the 1700s, which has been super fun. So that's where I spend a lot of my Saturdays, just wandering around looking at paintings. I think for me, one of my favorite things uh, has been just going on the National Mall um, and playing spike ball with some friends, um, just kind of getting outside and getting to enjoy, like Rebecca mentioned, uh, just the beauty that DC has to offer. Uh, And just spending some time with um, some of the guys that I'm living with this summer has been really um, great. Nashville, what about y'all? Any spots that have been your favorite this summer? So there was one night where we went and got a pizza, and then we sat on the back. It's like the back porch of the state capitol. Beautiful view, and it was a lot of fun. I will say, though, Nashville, I'm from Alabama, but Nashville is just a different type of hot, you know? So you really got to plan out carefully when you go outside or else you're going to sweat a, a pretty good bit. So we like the nighttime activities. Yeah, so my favorite spot, I love rooftops. Like whether it's in Memphis or Nashville or wherever else, like rooftops are amazing. And um, there's this one specific rooftop restaurant that we went to one night where we just went and sat up on the top deck at the restaurant. It overlooks the city of Nashville. And um, we just had deep talk there, which was amazing. But no, like seriously, uh, it's an awesome place. So if you're coming through Nashville, the Grand Hyatt Hotel is what it is. There's a rooftop restaurant. Uh, There are chairs that overlook the city and the skyline. And it is amazing. I highly recommend. And get into a really deep conversation there. And it'll be amazing. Yeah, for me, 
I love eating, and food pretty much makes or breaks any experience in my life. So I knew that no matter how this internship went, Nashville food was going to make it okay for me, and it has very much been that. So um, everyone's learned about me to try to to get me to make a decision about food. It's probably the hardest thing ever, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you what you should eat here, but come to Nashville just to eat. Like, just come eat. It will make your life easier and better. We've been dealing with heavy topics, but a good meal usually just, just raises my spirits, and this has been the place for that, so... Is a girl after my own heart, I will add. So in D.C., I have not... Well, I used to go there as a little girl. So we'd go to the Smithsonian and the Aerospace Museum, and I would love to eat dried ice cream, astronaut food. But just the Leland House in general is a cool spot in D.C. It's just... Uh, it's on a cool street. It is part of those... Do you call them row houses, I guess, or brownstones or something? Anyway, so if you have the chance to stop by the Leland House, we would love to be able to host you. And then in Nashville, I also love food, Lizzie. And we have this new place, Fifth and Broadway. Well, it's been around for a little bit, but it's just a great, they have this assembly food hall. Can't remember exactly what it's called, but I think that's what it's called. But they have all the food choices you can imagine. Every time you go back, you can choose something different. There's just lots of hubbub. I just love being around people and people watching and seeing all the different kinds of people. And there's some shopping there too. So I would recommend that for you to add that to your list for Nashville, if you ever visit Nashville. And interns, just getting all the feels. We have loved having you. Thank you so much for taking your time to sit down and just tell our listeners a little bit about you and a little bit about, well, I think you're giving a window into young men and women your age who are walking with the Lord, who are passionate about applying a biblical worldview to all of life and to the issues that we face today. So like one of y'all mentioned, I think, Caden, pastors, ministry leaders, moms, dads, as you're listening, don't be afraid to have the hard conversations with your um, the young men and women in your life because they're interested and they want to know what God says about these things and how the gospel demands that they live in the midst of the culture that we're called to today. So thank you for joining us for this special episode, and we will be back next week with a regular format of the ERLC podcast. Just a reminder, you can find links to all the things we talked about today in the show notes. And if you like the podcast, please consider helping us spread the word by sharing the episode on social media or going into your favorite podcast app and leaving us a rating and review. The ERLC podcast is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission and is hosted by Lindsay Nicolay and Brent Leatherwood. Technical production is provided by Owens Productions. It is edited and mixed by Mark Owens. In addition to listening to the ERLC podcast, be sure to check out our other podcasts. The Digital Public Square airs every Monday and its host is Jason Thacker, who is a leading voice on technology and ethics. And if you like staying informed about important policy issues that matter to Southern Baptists, Capital Conversations is our podcast directly from Capitol Hill, which is hosted by our colleague, Chelsea Sobolik. Search for The Digital Public Square and Capital Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with more content. Mm-hmm.